Hello, I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And in this series, we've been looking at the imminent invasion of Israel uh, from the north that's described in Ezekiel 38 through to Ezekiel 39 verse 16. And this is something that could happen any time. It's an invasion from the north. Uh, led by Russia and uh, joined by Iran and Turkey and, and a number of other uh, Islamic states. And this is an invasion of the mountains of Israel. We've seen that this is an invasion specifically of the West Bank, or the, what's known as the Occupied Territories, and its overt aim will be to impose the two-state solution on Israel and uh, divide the land and set up a Palestinian state. That will give it its respectability. But the real reason that, that Russia has in particular is economic. It will solve her economic problems, it will give her control of the Middle East, and she's found success taking action, for instance in Syria and other places, and now she will seize the opportunity to do this and, 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 and have the excuse of imposing the uh, the will of the nations to give this Palestinian state. And, and we saw last time how all the world conditions have lined up. I wrote a book on this ten years ago, eight years ago, and now I'm, I've rewritten it because so much has changed. But it's all changed in the way that things now align internationally absolutely more and more with what Ezekiel prophesied. The whole stage is absolutely set for this to happen. It could happen tomorrow, essentially. Uh, especially with Russia and Turkey and Iran, they are all now in Syria, and Syria is on the northern border with Israel. And so they have a channel all the way through for this to happen whenever they want to do that. And it just needs the right catalyst, the right thing to happen, which could easily be action that Israel takes against Iran and that will provide the excuse to sort out Israel, the Israel issue, once and for all. And so we've been uh, looking at that, and now let's just see what happens when this invasion takes place. What does God do about it? Because the amazing thing is this prophecy describes the action that God will take in response to this invasion. God's going to basically saying, this is my land, this is my people, I am going to show myself strong, and he destroys these enemy armies. And it will be one of the biggest divine interventions of all history. It will be a shock to the nations, and many will come to believe in God, the God of the Bible. And this will be a great opportunity for the gospel. And it could well be a great catalyst for a final revival before the rapture. Let's read from verse 14. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, thus says the Lord God, on that day when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, which is Russia, you and many peoples with you, many nations will join them, and the confederacy of nations will actually give Russia international support, respectability. He says that you'll come with a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel. Even though Israel are in unbelief, God still says they're my people. They're his covenant people. And therefore God is committed to Israel to defend her. So it's like a cloud to cover the land. So they'll, they'll cover the whole of the mountains of Israel. There'll be so many 
troops. It will be an overwhelming invasion. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land. And so God actually is in charge of the whole situation, but notice he calls it his land. And therefore, because they try and take control of, of what's God's land, God is going to take personal action and deal with them. So that the nations may know me when I am sanctified in you, O Gog, before their eyes. And so God also has a purpose in this to demonstrate his power, and that will actually cause the nations to know him, to know that the God of the Bible is alive, the God of Israel is alive, and he wants people to, to, to know him and come to know him. And so he's going to take swift action to, to prove that he is the God of Israel, he's the God, Israel has a covenant with him, and he will be sanctified in their eyes, he will be set apart, people will be in awe of him because of this. So what will God do? He will judge and destroy these armies, and um, it is uh, interesting that uh, it says that it will come to pass at this same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. So God will be angry at these nations and he is angry because God has made himself clear in his word that the land of Israel belongs to him, belongs to Israel. And now these nations are, as it were, in open rebellion against God and his word in trying to take the land for themselves and, and steal it, as it were, from Israel. So God takes it personally. He is angry now, and he's going to prove that he is true to his word. How will, will God do it? He's not going to use the Israeli military or the American military. He's going to intervene directly himself, and he's going to use his own weapons, the forces of nature, orchestrating them against the invaders. Verse 19, first we see there's going to be a great earthquake. For in my jealousy, he says, in other words, he's, he's possessive of that land. They have no right to this land. He says, in the fire of my wrath I have spoken. Surely in that day of the invasion, there will be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. He says that all the creatures... And all the men, even on the face of the earth, will shake at my presence. So big will be, be the earthquake on the mountains, but it will be felt around the world. It will be one of the huge earthquakes. The mountains thrown down, the steep places fall. Every wall fall to the ground. So this will be a devastating earthquake that will immediately devastate this invading force. And then secondly, it talks about the civil war among the different nations that are part of this international force. They will start fighting each other. He says, I'll call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains. Notice, on the mountains, says the Lord God, every man's sword will be against his brother. So they will, we've seen that's happened a few times in the Bible, that, um, that this big, for instance, the army that attacked Jehoshaphat, you know, they ended up fighting each other. Then he says, I, by pestilence or diseases and bloodshed, he says, I'll bring him to judgment with pestilences and bloodshed. Deadly diseases will sweep through those armies and um, they will be uh, terrible, terrible uh, destruction. 
And then he talks about, I will rain down on him and on his troops, on the many peoples with him, flooding rain and great hailstones. So floods and hailstones. Uh, and God did that before, remember with Joshua? Um, and then he says, fire and brimstone, that's burning sulfur. I will rain down on him and his troops and on the many peoples with him, fire and brimstone. Of course, that reminds us of Sodom and Gomorrah. So God is actually going to pull out all the stops. There'll be, I don't know how big this army with hundreds of thousands of people from various nations and f five different judgments of God simultaneously are going to strike them and totally destroy them in a, possibly in just a day or just a very short period of time. And then he says, thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, then they will know that I am the Lord. So this is going to trigger a worldwide revival among the nations. They will know, because there'll be no denying it, that, that something supernatural has happened here. God has stepped in. It isn't the Israeli military, it's God himself, and that he is fulfilling this prophecy. This prophecy is so detailed, it will be so obvious that this prophecy has been fulfilled and it will be an absolute clear proof that the God of the Bible is alive and powerful and he is keeping his word. And so this, he does the judgment to actually demonstrate that power so that people might know him. They might repent and know him. And this will give believers a wonderful opportunity to preach the gospel and bring people to faith in Christ, especially uh, people in Russia, this will be a great opportunity because, of course, that goes close to home for them. And there are prophecies. Hudson Taylor had a prophecy that a great move of God in the final revival will be because of Russian believers who go forth with the gospel. And, and this will be a tremendous catalyst. Even though the judgment hits Russia particularly, yet it will be a proof that God is alive and there will be a ro great revival through that. And also the Islamic nations, who, of course, their whole thing is based on the fact that the Quran and Allah are the truth rather than Jesus and the Bible. And yet, this will be a proof that, that they're wrong, that the God of Israel is stronger than Allah, that really Allah doesn't exist. And this will be a proof to them, a military defeat, because it's a military-type religion. To suffer a military defeat will really, of this magnitude, in a supernatural way, will cause many Muslims to actually turn to Christ. And even in Israel, those secular Jews who don't believe even in God necessarily, they will have to rethink their whole position. Ezekiel 39 actually retells the story and gives some more details of the clean-up operation afterwards. It says, Son of man, prophesy against Gog, and say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, Prince of Rosh, that's Russia, Meshesh and Tubal, and I will turn you around and lead you on, bringing you up from the far north, that's Moscow's far north of um, Jerusalem, and bring you against the mountains of Israel. Again, this confirms the attack is on the West Bank, the mountains of Israel. And he says, I will knock the bow out of your left hand and cause the arrows to fall out of your right hand. So actually God is going to disarm their weapons, whether arrows equivalent to missiles and bullets today, and bows are the launchers of those missiles, the guns. 
and their weapons will fail. And then it says, you will fall on the mountains of Israel. Notice, the mountains of Israel. You and all your troops and peoples with you. Notice that all of the armies will be destroyed. It's a bit of a forerunner to the Battle of Armageddon where all the armies are destroyed, but in that case, they're destroyed by the personal return of Jesus Christ. But in this case, they are destroyed by the four various forces of nature. I will give you to birds of prey of every sort and the beasts of the field to be devoured. You will fall on the open field, for I have spoken, says the Lord God. And so the whole army will be destroyed, and also fire which could be from weapons or, again, stuff that God just does himself, fire will also hit the homelands of those invading armies. He says, I will send fire on Magog, and on those who live in security in the coastlands, they think they're safe, far away from the problem, but judgment will come on them too. Then they will know that I am the Lord. And so God's purpose in this is, is actually to bring them to faith in God. Faith in the God of the Bible. Faith in the God of Israel. And that's exactly what's going to happen. There's going to be a revival of faith in Israel and the nations. We read, So I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel. And so in Israel in particular, they will realize God is alive. And there'll be a turning to God, especially among those secular Jews. And I will not let them profane my holy name anymore. They will reverence God as never before. And then the nations also, as well as Israel, will know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. In other words, God, God lives in, in Israel. He's not just the God of Israel, he's the God in Israel. His presence is there. And therefore, when they attacked Israel, they're actually coming against God. Surely it is coming and it shall be done, says the Lord God. This is the day of which I've spoken. So God's saying this is a very important day. It's one of the key dates in my diary. And it's one of be one of the world-changing events. And I believe it's so soon. That's why it's urgent upon me to talk about it. So that we are ready when this happens. After the invasion, it takes seven years for Israel to dismantle and destroy the enemy weapons and use it for fuel. So there'll be huge supplies, obviously, of fuel and of these weapons, um, because it will take seven years to, to use that. It says, then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields, bucklers, bows, arrows, javelins, spears. They'll make fires with them for seven years. So again, these, they have to use the ancient words because they didn't have the modern words. So you have to understand the, the, the description of the weapons. You have to take the modern equivalent to those ancient names. But notice it says they make fires of those weapons for seven years. So it can't be the Battle of Armageddon because from that, seven years goes into the thousand-year reign of Christ. That would make no sense. Likewise, it can't be the battle that's described in Revelation 20, which is at the end of the thousand years, because seven years takes you into the eternal state. Neither is it halfway through the tribulation, because it's seven years. It's got to be at least seven years before the return of Christ at Armageddon. And so I believe it's in our time, before the tribulation. It says they will not take wood or cut down any forests, because they will 
make fires with the weapons. They will plunder those who plunder them and pillage those who pillage them. So these armies will bring great, uh, all everything that they have brought with them, as it were, will then, uh, they will live off that stuff. And then it talks about it will take seven months to bury the dead. It's so overwhelming that it will take seven months and they'll bury these bodies in a valley on the east of the sea, probably the east of the Dead Sea. It says, it will come to pass in that day, I'll give Gog a burial place there in Israel, a valley of those who pass by east of the sea, and it will obstruct travelers because there they will bury Gog and all his multitude. In other words, it'll be such a huge burial place. People, it'll, people have to travel around it, um, probably around the Jordan Valley. Therefore, they will call it the Valley of Hammon Gog, which means the multitude of Gog. For seven months, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. Indeed, I think it's probably, again, to cleanse the land, it will be the bodies are taken strictly outside the land of Israel to the other side of the Jordan. Uh, indeed, all the people of the land will be burying, so the whole nation will be involved in burying it. And they will gain renown for it on the day I'm glorified, says the Lord God. And, the, and, and so it will be a massive casualties. And um, it describes also that uh, in verse 16 that there will be a city that will be erected um, called Hamona, the name of the city, which again is referencing a memorial to this event. So in other words, it's not... You know, near. You know, it's. It could be any time because it's gonna. It takes time to bury the dead. It takes time to to build a, a a city that that represents this event, and it takes seven years to dispose of the weapon. So, it's it it could happen any time, and I think it will happen quite likely before the rapture. And so this is a clue as to when it will happen. And so, for the remaining time, and. For the, uh, for the next talk, I want to take us closer to home because there's this fascinating verse in verse 13, Ezekiel 38, 13, that talks about the group of nations who oppose this invasion. And in particular, I want to talk about Tarshish. Who is Tarshish and her young lions? Because this verse says, that those who protest against this invasion, those who are, as it were, on the side of Israel in this, it says a Sheba Didan, and that's actually Saudi Arabia, which is interesting, the, and the merchants of Tarshish and all their young lions will say to you, Gog, have you come to take plunder, to take booty, to carry away silver, gold, livestock goods, to take great plunder? And so they're accusing Russia, particularly, of doing this for economic benefit. And so those who oppose it are described as Tarshish and all their young lions. And uh, I believe God gives Tarshish a mention here because it shows that Tarshish is on God's side in this. And I take encouragement from, from that. I think God is saying that Tarshish is playing a role in this battle. I don't think God wastes words in a prophecy. All right, and uh, 
I don't think this is just saying, oh, look, look how pathetic Tarshish is. All, all Tarshish can say is a few words on, for, on Israel's behalf. I used to think that, but actually I think that actually no nation had a has a chance to intervene because God does it immediately. But Tarshish is on the right side of the issue, and this gives me encouragement that Tarshish is actually uh, going to support Israel. I believe the United Kingdom is Tarshish. And all her young lions, see Tarshish is a lion, and the lion is a symbol of Britain. Her young lions are the nations that have come out of Tarshish. That includes America, Australia. In fact, the Commonwealth nations primarily, which is a over two billion people in the world are actually covered by the Commonwealth. And so Tarshish, I want to prove to you, is actually the United Kingdom. And Tarshish here, we see, is actually pro-Israel, is supporting Israel. And, and her young lions, which of course includes America. That's exactly what you would expect, that America and the UK and others would object to this invasion. Um, but I want to look at the scriptures about Tarshish, because if we can identify who Tarshish is in the, the ancient world, we, we can actually um, apply that to the prophecies of Tarshish. Because the Bible indicates that Tarshish has an important, a significant role to play in the last days. There's some intriguing prophecies about Tarshish. And if we can know who Tarshish is, not just this scripture, but other scriptures about Tarshish, will give us encouragement, actually, that God has a purpose for the United Kingdom. And, and we are, need to rediscover that. Tarshish is mentioned a number of times, often part of a phrase like the merchants of Tarshish and the ships of Tarshish. So Tarshish was known as a trading nation and a maritime nation, although the ships of Tarshish were also used to describe trading ships that, that were built, long-distance ships, deep-sea ships that were built to trade with Tarshish, because Tarshish was distant. Tarshish was known to be the far western place, reachable, as it were, from, from, say, Israel. And so Tarshish was a long way away. You needed special ships that were designed for a big journey to get to Tarshish. And that implies that this Tarshish is outside the Mediterranean on the, in the Atlantic Ocean. And that's one hint that it's the United Kingdom. Tarshish was believed to be at the ends of the earth, the far past of the west, and that's why most people believe it's either Spain or the British Isles. And, um, and so we see this actually in the story of Jonah. God commanded Jonah to preach to Nineveh, which was northeast of Israel. And so he didn't want to do that. So what did he do? He took a ship to Tarshish, which was as far away in the opposite direction as he could possibly go. And uh, as far as any ship could take him far away from the presence of God in Jerusalem as possible, so he could get away from God. And it says that Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish, away from the presence of God. He went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he, 
He thought he could escape from the presence of God, the voice of God, by fleeing by ship, you see, to the most distant part of the world. And this points more to the UK than to Spain, because we are really the furthest western place from Israel by sea that was known at the time. More inaccessible than Spain. And so it must have been beyond the Mediterranean, in the opposite direction from Nineveh, and better reached by sea than by land. The ships of Tarshish are mentioned in Ezekiel 27, 25. It says, the ships of Tarshish were carriers of your merchandise. You were filled and very glorious in the midst of the seas. Your oarsmen brought into many waters, but the east wind broke you in the midst of the seas. So Tarshish is in the midst of the seas, you see. And again, that agrees with Breton. Um, and of course, you know what happened with Jonah. There are over 20 references to Tarshish and they all agree with uh, some place to the far west of Israel. Uh, Ezekiel describes the Phoenicians of Tyre, and uh, they're the, the great traders of their time, the great seagoing traders, and they sent ships to Tarshish for trade. Um, and what we'll see next time, actually, is that one of the, the things that they traded and they got from Tarshish was tin. And that's a real sign that Britain is Tarshish because Britain was known in those days as the Tin Islands. That was the main source of tin. That's why people would go so far to Tarshish because they needed that tin because tin was combined with copper to, provide, to produce bronze, which was a very uh, important metal in those times. You know, you hear about the Bronze Age, don't you? And so at that time in the Bronze Age, Bronze was essential, and so they needed tin. And so they went to Tarshish for tin. We'll see that next time. And that tells us that Tarshish is almost certainly the British Isles. And so God has a purpose for the United Kingdom in these end times. And the United Kingdom is part of those, and her cubs, her young lions, who stand against this Russian invasion. God mentions it for a reason. And I believe because God is pleased with Tarshish in the end times that she is, as it were, with Israel, supporting Israel. So be encouraged by that. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And on our website, oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk, you, you can find the, a way you can help us financially, and we would be so grateful. You may already have my book called The Imminent Invasion of Israel, but this is the revised, expanded edition. It's practically like a new book. It's been rewritten with lots more information in, new revelation in, brings you up to speed with the present political situation. And so this book is all about what is going to happen anytime soon, that invasion of Ezekiel 38. So I've just rewritten it. I've expanded it. It's much bigger than the previous one. So please, even if you've got the old one, it's really out of date now. You need to get this one. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services, which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. 
You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.